When you're behind the wheel of a Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro, mighty moments are always right around the corner. One minute you're cruising around town when you find out they're rehabbing the old community center. So you show up in your tough-as-nails quarter-ton truck. Loaded up with lumber, the neighborhood crew, and enough elbow grease to make your old stomping ground shine like new. 14th Street on three. One, two, three. 14th Street! Make the most of each moment with a handsomely rugged Toyota truck like the Tacoma TRD Pro. Toyota, let's go places. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast. I'm your host Shane. Joining me is Tom. Welcome back to the show, Tom. G'day, Shane. I, I've got to say, I'm getting used to beating Fremantle in the first few rounds of the year. It's it's a pretty sweet feeling, isn't it? There's no love lost, is there? There absolutely is not. Uh, it seems like Fremantle's become one of those sides that there's developing a bit of a rivalry between them and the Suns. At least on field, it is. Few, a few uh, ex Frio players, and uh, they've they've pinched a few of ours as well as uh, our pick two from a few years ago. So, yeah, but I mean that's another conversation. Um, oh, uh, three in a row! I'm, I'm loving this. Absolutely, the Suns are on fire, and uh, that's our fiftieth win, Tom. The fiftieth win for the Gold Coast Suns after two hundred and one games. So, one hundred and fifty yes. losses there, and the draw as well. We're almost up to 25%. <laughs> almost. <laughs> well, it, it is good to be a Suns fan this time of year, and hopefully the season goes ahead, but we'll get into that further on. Let's start off the episode by thanking our old soul Patreon donors, Jack's dad, Paul Vosti, Dale Snelling, Brody Burgess, Robbie Fiorini, Kate Kelland, Chris Moore, Tom Kim and Trudy, and Tim. Thank you for joining supporting us and joining us on the GC Sunscast journey. We are here to provide Gold Coast Suns-related stuff for fans by fans. So, with that done and out of the way, let's jump straight into the juicy stuff, Tom. Gold Coast Suns defeated Fremantle on the weekend, 10-4-64 to Fremantle, 8-3-51. So, a 13-point win there. What did you think of the game, Tom? Yeah, well, I mean, the 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 final quarter was, uh, you know, it was there for either team to win it, and I was just really, really happy to see the Suns play. It wasn't, you wouldn't call it a four-quarter dominant performance, but it was definitely a four-quarter performance, wasn't it? Definitely a four-quarter performance. It wasn't like any of the games we've played so far this year. The Suns were required to really dig in and grind out the win, but they did it superbly. Uh, King kicked two goals, Sexton kicked two goals, Rao kicked two goals, and so did Ainsworth. So really all chipping in and providing multiple targets. However, my concern with the forward targets is that Ben King is our target four times more than any other Suns player. Now, that, that does sound very concerning, doesn't it, Tom? Well, there was an article uh, over the over the off season. I mean, we've we've been reading a lot of stuff over the off season, so it's hard to filter through it all. But one of them suggested that over the the, the twenty nineteen season, that targeting Ben King ultimately was more successful than the amount of than the the averages of target to goal, or target to mark to goal, or target to mark to scoring involvement or shot or whatever. 
so rather than Peter Wright and Sam Day. So they're clearly targeting Ben King. And it's, it's a good thing because he's managing to get a couple of goals a week and, and uh, if not more, and, and at least getting a few shots. And he is very active after the ball comes to ground. So I don't have a big problem with it, but it might be to the detriment of guys like Alex Sexton, who previous years have been getting those medium forward sort of leading leading you know he's not getting a whole lot of targets is he? he's getting i think he's getting it maybe uh maybe maybe four a game uh something, average. yeah yeah something like that now while in saying what i just said like it is great that king is performing and it's probably something we haven't seen because this decade um Coaches have forced teams like uh, Franklin and uh, Cameron, like these players, these full forwards, absolute guns, but we're not seeing them kick the bags that they used to 15, 20 years ago. And that's more focused now with the style of the football or the state of the game is so hotly debated lately. But the coaches' directions to have multiple targets to kick to and not be so predictable. But are we seeing a resurgence of the power forward with Ben King. I mean, we saw Charlie Dixon in the Port Adelaide game as well. And Ben King standing up. He's not disappointing. He's providing really strong marking targets and hitting the scoreboard. Well, Shane, it's a very interesting point you make because the circumstances that Charlie Dixon scored his six goals were, um, of course, West Coast's number one defender was out, uh, being our number one enemy in Jeremy McGavin and uh, it wasn't because he was suspended for playing us, he rolled his ankle in the scratch match that he was playing because he was suspended, don't know how he was allowed to play the scratch match under suspension but that's another story it was uh, all good news for ex-son Charlie Dixon because he was able to really dominate that game now Geelong's our next opponent and Tom Stewart in a fairly innocuous kind of uh, argy-bargy with uh, players sort of bumping each other, has has done, I think, his ACL or something. Anyway, he's out. And he's a crucial part of Geelong's back line. So they're going in undermanned, and this is Ben King's, in my opinion, best ever opportunity to really kick that bag. What do you reckon? Absolutely. Uh, Tom Stewart's done a broken collarbone, I believe. So he's going to be in a bit of pain. I don't think he'll be playing. Geelong will be bringing back Harry Taylor, who missed that game. Uh, So not all sunshine and rainbows for the Suns, but Ben King and Peter Wright, if he makes the side, Sam Day, whoever the big targets are down in our forward line, will certainly have a strong chance to uh, put a winning score on the board for our Suns. Uh, which, which is necessary, isn't it, Shane? Because Geelong's defence have just been dour and they've been really boring and not allowing attack, whereas the Suns, on the other hand, have been able to dismantle defences like that and put winning scores on the board. So uh, even if, if Ben King doesn't kick six goals, then we're not going to be disappointed. If he kicks three or four, then it's a, you're halfway there to winning the game with these shortened quarters. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Ben King played in the uh, preseason game when we played Geelong, did he? And we still managed to to smash them. 
Uh, can't remember that far back because it was about 100 years ago, but <laughs> um, we, we absolutely did smash them. And uh, Peter Wright was... was um, he was not exactly clunking the ball all over the place, but the, the, the impressive thing about Peter Wright's game in, in that particular match was that he was able to get back into the contest, which is something that's a feature of Ben King's game. So, you know, something's got to give at some point. Not, you're not going to see Ben King go out of the side. Sam Day, we can talk about it a little bit later on in more detail, but he didn't have the, the, the greatest of games. And, and, and I, I think maybe, um, you know, we, we can look at this season being a short season. We can look at giving players a rest for a game or two if players are really pushing through from from, from beneath. And, and we, we're certainly in the, for the very first time in 10 years, we've got such depth that the next guy up, if he's hot, can get a go if there's something that comes up in training or you just want to mix things up for a different look at things. So, you know, Sammy Day, he's good for four or five hit-outs, but Peter Wright might be good for 10-plus hit-outs because he's really been working on his, his ruckmanship, hasn't he? He has, and we've got a uh, scratch match report to talk about later with Peter Wright. But while we're on the Fremantle game, let's start off by discussing our top three. So I'll go first. I've got three votes for Matt Rao. Once again, a dominant performance, 20 disposals, two goals, 22 pressure acts, and five tackles. Uh, he also had six score involvements, which was really, really impressive. So I'm not going to be surprised if he gets the three Brownlow votes yet again. Uh, two votes for Brandon Ellis. So the best game for our new recruit son from Richmond. He had 20 disposals, seven marks, and operated at 80% efficiency. And finally, one vote goes to Jack Bowes, 18 disposals, 83% efficiency, and 354 metres gained. So I felt like he did a really good job patrolling the back line and helping cut off Fremantle's attacks. Um, what about you, Tom? What are your top three players? Pretty similar. I think we probably have the same top four. Um, and in a similar sort of order, I'm going against the grain here, though. I, unlike the rest of the AFL world, I actually thought that Took Miller slightly edged out Matty Rowell. Um, look, he got abs- like Took copped more damage from the other the, the other team than, than Rowell did, even though they were all over Rowell at various times. The pair of them just had this ability to jump back up and just respond. They've just got such a synergy between them. It feels like Tuke, as a leader, has seen that Raoul can make his game better and that the pair of them can just really tear apart opposition midfields. And it's it, the two of them are really doing that damage. And, I mean, it's a team game and we know that there's a half a dozen other contributors to that midfield. But the two of them are just... We're just head and shoulders above the rest, which is really telling given that the, the Fremantles sort of uh, maybe they've got 15 parts of the 22 answered and they just have some, some gaps around the field that they need to fill before they become a really good football team. And uh, their young players were terrific. So I've gone for Miller for three votes and Ralph for, for two for similar reasons for, for Raoul, obviously. But, but for Miller, he, 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 just, um, he just did a couple of things Slightly better than Raoul, and he 
little bit more uh, of, a, of an influence in the tackles. He certainly got a lot of free kicks. He got five free kicks, Miller. Shows how the, the opposition were really on him. For my one vote, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you, and it's Jack Bowes. And I'm not going to go go crazy about Jack for, for the third week in a row, but just to say that the competition is sleeping on Jack Bowes, and he is becoming a really damaging player off half back. If he plays back and he and he and he's the he's the he's the seventh man in defence, then he's intercepting or he's allowing another player like Lukosius or Hanley or Harbrow to intercept and go forward. It's just really working well. But in that second quarter, I have to highlight this, Shane, and I think it might have been quite close to where you were sitting. Jack Bowes just was getting loose on the run just so much. And we kicked five goals in a row. It wasn't all Jack, but a lot of it was Jack. Probably three of the goals were, were, were involved Jack in the play there. And, gee, how good was that passage of play? Yeah, Jack Bose is really impressive so far this year. He's set up a lot of strong uh, plays, and I'd really be interested to know uh, how many chains, how many scoring chains he starts from that half-back line. Uh, mm. Probably a better statistician than me would be able to figure that one out, but <laughs> he, he's certainly really proving his worth. A bit surprised you didn't have Ellis in there. Uh, you didn't like was, his he, work. He was fourth, but I've got to give Jack the point. Um, I'm, 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 I'm thinking that Jack Bowes this year is having a breakout year. Ellis, Ellis was terrific, and he had really big moments. I just think Jack just did so much. He did so much of everything. He had score involvement. He, he was, he, you know, he get he gets pinged a couple of times, but this is what happens when you're a halfback flanker. Isn't it? You're yeah. in the back line. You're exposed. The offense is just trying to, to get there. He got caught holding the ball. Um, umpires hate him. They just Jack. You got to get into the habit of going up and, and, and fist bumping the umpires at the start of the game. Give them a smile when they give a free kick against you. Get a bit more friendly with them because they don't like you, mate. And <laughs> they'll give a free against you any day of the week. They've been doing it for four years. It's time to time to turn that one around. The only criticism on his game that I've got. Well, the other player that didn't quite make it for me but has made it to the top of your charts, Took Miller. Now, he's really developed into a genuine midfielder this year, hasn't he? He's always been good defensively, but he's using the ball well and hurting sides on the offense. I didn't agree with the, the commentators who said that he's just a tagger. He's not just a tagger at all. I think he's been building his game for years. He's had he's had those really breakout games, especially when he's playing against the Brisbane Lions. He's he's played his best footy then, but um, he's now bringing that that level every game. And the big improvement for Took is his his disposal efficiency. He and Matt Rowell, under pressure, both had 70% disposal efficiency, which is really good for a midfielder. All right. Now, Tom, it is time for our What a Performance Moment of the Week. Performance. Uh, yep. Anyway, we're off the rails, <laughs> but we'll keep it together. Um, I'm guessing it wasn't Lucky Weller. No, for you it, this it wasn't Lucky Weller. <laughs> I really need to edit that soundbite a bit further. Um, <laughs> it's getting a bit tiring. Poor Lucky. Um, no, my water performance moment this week is 
Jack Lukosius. How good was that goal in the fourth quarter from the boundary line? The game was on the line, and cool as a cucumber, he slots it in with a drop punt of all kicks from, what, about 30, 35, 40 metres out tight on the boundary line? Well, that is now a goal of the year nomination. So if you haven't jumped on the AFL site and nominate, registered, go and do that and support Jack Lukosius. I mean, I mean... Last week, Darcy McPherson kicked it from, a, a, well, obviously a different end of the ground, but, but a very similar type of, type of, type of angle and, and, and length. And we all, we all just, well, you know, it, it wasn't a drop punt for starters from Darcy. It probably deserved goal of the week because it was amazing. It was certainly better than the Collingwood goal. And this, this week, we're up against another Collingwood player kicking a contender for goal of the week. So it's, he's not going to win it. But, Last week, Darcy was arsy. I think this week, Jack, even though he's pretty modest and he'll probably say, yeah, I was kind of going for a 50-50 mark in the goal mouth, but if it went through, then it went through. But you can see he just saw where the goals were and he looked down at where his shoe was and he plonked that ball on the shoe so it would go straight through the guts. I mean, it was, it, it was technically a perfect shot at goal. And, and Seko could see it. He, Seko's got good goal awareness. He knew where it was going and he let it go. That, that was, to me, goal of the year contender, hands down. But Collingwood will flood the bloody vote and we won't get it. So anyone listening, put your vote in. I don't even know where to go to vote for it because those kinds of things are usually pretty well fixed. They, they do it, have it, them on the Gold Coast Suns website. So if you're struggling to find it, just head over there. I'm pretty sure it would be easy to find on the Suns website. Uh, now, Tom, let's introduce a couple of new segments for this week. Now, what we are going to do is list uh, a turning point or a moment that we saw great things for the Suns. And we're also going to list a concern, a moment which is troubling or a something which highlights some flaws in the Suns game plans or players. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start this week, Tom, and mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a turning point was the Rao v. Fife matchup. Now, that was great to watch in the first quarter and the mm-hmm. second quarter as well. Just watching Matt Rao just push off Nat Fife in the middle of the ground, turn around and use the ball, and the very next... Uh, stoppage. Five tried to give him a bump, and Rao just you know bounces off him out of the way like it was no problem. Now this is a yeah. two-time Brownlow medalist, Snap Five, and yeah. Matt Rao yeah. is matching him, if not bettering him. You know what's funny, Shane, is there's a there's like a, a gif of that moment circulating on social media, and people who hate the Suns or have never really noticed the Suns before, but they, they're Matt Rowell fans and they, they're, they're converting to the Suns en masse. And I saw that gif and I just couldn't stop watching it. it was, you know, when you just see something and it's, it's either funny or it's mesmerising, it was both of those things. It was just, wow. The, you know, like last year, Darcy McPherson went and tried to bump Fife and he got flattened. <laughs> you know? And this is Matt Rowe just doing what he does and just just going, I need to get this ball onto my wrong foot, onto my left foot, because he's just as good off his left or his right, and I need to get it into the forward 50 so my team can get a chance at a good start to the game. I mean, 
just amazing. My, my turning point was also Raoul, and it's building on what you, you're talking about in, in the beginning of the game, and that was a really good, um, you know, sign that the Suns were about to, you know, ascend. Um, but the, the the middle of the third quarter, it was an arm wrestle going back and forward, and the scores were pretty close. And Raoul's just kicked that goal with with about I don't know five minutes five or eight minutes to go in the third quarter, and suddenly you're thinking we're going to win this. And even though Frio came back at us, that to me was a, a major turning point. What did you think of that goal? Yeah, it was a major turning point as well. It great stuff there, like. Yeah, I'm speechless. It it was really good. A lot, all the goals that the Suns kicked were, were really hard, hard fought and strong performances. One of the goals was uh, created by Nick Coleman. Now, do you know the one I'm talking about? The the oh, work rate yes. that, with the smother, the follow up, the tackle, and I think it was Matt Rowe that kicked that one. There's a there's a really good. Um behind the goals shot of that where he runs across from the right hand behind post almost all the way over to the left hand behind post and he's barely he's barely affecting the play until he does affect the play but it's it's about getting to where he needs to be to potentially be in the right spot and kudos to Nick Holman because he's not always in the right spot but you, you know you can't be but he does his best to get where he's supposed to be and it often leads to a turnover or it leads to maybe a stoppage where we've got the dominance with Witsy um, and our midfielders. So, yeah, Nick Holman, that, that's just one of probably 10 instances in the game where he um, he's not going to get any sort of stat for it unless he, you know, lays a tackle or whatever. But, yeah, he, he was just terrific um, in that way. You're always tempted to, to drop Nick Holman every week, aren't you? But I can't see him dropping him after that performance again. Yeah, he's the defensive linchpin that we need in the forward line. Uh, very important to the Suns side. Uh, now that we've done our positives, Tom, we're going to have to look at our negatives. Not the great mm. thing to look at, but there are negatives to to dissect, and it's good to learn from those. So, Tom, let's start with you. What's your negative from this game? Okay. I... I... It, there's two for me, but I'm going to split them, and I've got a feeling you might be going to focus on the other one anyway. Um, Darcy McPherson had two instances of very poor discipline, one in which he gave away an obvious 50-metre penalty, and we had, what, four 50-metre penalties given against us, um, and that's what kept the, the, the Dockers in the, in the game, um, those, those 50-metre penalties, and he gave away. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. I won and that led to a goal. And the other one was where he, 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 goes, he goes all aggressive after he's won the ball and he's got a shot at goal, and he kicks into the man on the mark. Oh, he's just got to calm down and do the team thing. The aggression that he shows is good, but he's got to choose better times to do it. If you're going to go up to the, the man on the mark and say, you know, who's probably a foot tall then, and say, I'm going to kick this goal, you've got to go back and kick it. And the commentators were saying the same thing, which for once I agree with them. 
Yeah, what very did you poor. Reckon, Shane? It was a very poor performance from Darcy. I love the kid. I love his work rate, but he let himself down by uh, probably letting his ego get the better of him when he should have just put his head mm-hmm. down and focused on the footy and what needed to be done. Now, yeah, no goals this week either, which, no. uh, which means that he doesn't doesn't have that to back him up. So, so my negative, we'll get back to that. My negative for the week is a team strategy. Now, Frio mm-hmm. outworked our defensive line, and because of that, they were able to get easy goals out the back, and they were able to score with minimal pressure when they did mm. score. Uh, mm. Their key forwards, Hogan and Tabena, worked uh, Collins and Ballard up the ground and out to the wings, allowing pl- them to then transition through the middle of the ground and usually find someone like Tucker or Walter um, or this Bewley. I've never heard of him before, but he popped up Me and kicked two goals. Mm. Um, Darcy Tucker was all right too for them. So I, see, yeah, I said Tucker. Um, so yeah, yeah. it was a strategy which affected the Gold Coast Suns and really worked. If the Suns were able to pick up on that and defend maybe zone a bit better we mm. probably could have stopped a couple of goals there or at least mm. made it a bit harder applying more pressure. And that was one thing with this game. Uh, it's actually a positive, so we're done with the negatives. The mm-hmm. the um, It's the first time in AFL VFL history that there wasn't a behind registered in the first half of the game. So the I Suns know. On the, the, when the commentators mentioned it, then the first two shots of the second half were both posters. <laughs> uh, you can't blame them for mentioning it, but it was uh, it was quite bizarre to watch. And in the third quarter, there were three posters. So really accurate goal kicking from the Suns really uh, ensured that they were going to be in a competitive position by the end. But of course, um, Frio were even more accurate. So they kept themselves in it. It was really, uh, you know, an opposite to the, the game last year. Remember, we were both at that game last year, and the Suns kicked about 300 behinds, didn't they? They did, yeah. All right, so with that out the way, the match report, we have no new injuries to report on from that game. We alluded to Rory Thompson being injured last week. Now, he has been listed as uh, six weeks with uh, a knee issue. I believe it's the opposite knee to the one he had hurt. Um, George Holland-Smith is listed for five weeks now and Riordan is still out for the season. Good news is Anthony Miles is back returning to training this week. So a few weeks away and we might have another midfield contender. Um, mm, mm. Speaking, The other thing from that game was fines. Uh, there was a big melee, which we haven't touched on just yet until now. Uh, no, no. You know, Tabana doing a, a pretty dirty thing, pulling out Matt Rowe's jumper and uh, going around, uh, causing some fights. The, there are only two Suns players to be fined for that melee. And that three, was, three. No, two. Um, Tuke Miller and uh, Pierce Hanley. And the third you're talking about is Charlie Ballard, and he's actually been charged with engaging in rough conduct against James Ace during the fourth quarter. So I'm not sure what happened there, but he has a $1,000 sanction he can accept with an early plea. Um, So a couple of uh, hip pockets being hurt at the Suns. 
half price hip pocket hurt. Mm. I think the, the the Dockers started that melee, and if you look at the timeline, they, they were that they, they were getting themselves back into the contest, having having suffered five straight goals in the middle of the second quarter. They'd come back with two strong goals, and if you look at the third quarter, they they had belief, and they kicked the first goal of the third quarter. And uh, by the end of the third quarter, they'd brought things back to level. So um, probably worth the the, the fifteen hundred dollar. Oh no, actually, the, Luke Ryan's a bit of a fine. Uh, he, he's he's the the MRO don't like Luke Ryan. They um, he, I think he put Ben Ainsworth on his butt in the melee, so he got about a twelve hundred and fifty dollar fine, didn't he? So they ended up paying more money for their fines. But Shane, going back a little bit. Charlie Ballard was right in the middle of that melee, and he was he was um, standing right up to Tabiner, and and I I don't I didn't see it on camera, but I I've got a suspicion that it was either Ballard or Ainsworth who ripped Tabiner's jersey off. Um, so you know, it was good to see the Suns standing up for each other and walking away with their heads held high from that melee. Yeah, they they did, and the footage uh, from. Fox, I think, was broadcasting that game. It showed when they went into the change rooms, it showed that the Suns were still switched on and the melee didn't really affect them too much. So that was good to see. That's a sign of maturity. Um, Now, Tom, we have some scratch match news to discuss. We've only got 15 minutes left, so we'll have to make this quick. We've got a bit to get through. Um, So, scratch match. We have Corbett who performed well again, kicked four goals this week to follow up from his six from the week before. Um, He is really pushing his case for selection. Caleb Graham was one of the best players. He didn't get beaten all game. So he could be pushing his way into the side, especially with Rory Thompson out for an extended period. Um... Sam Flanders as well is being praised for his defensive efforts in the forward line, becoming very lively and had five score involvements. Braden Fiorini, not great news reading from what the Suns have listed. Um, Braden had a fair bit of the ball, but we want him to be more damaging with his disposal to really elevate his impact on the game. It seems like they're being hard markers there, doesn't it? It does, but a lot of these do come across as almost child, childlike report cards. Um, you can sort of read into a lot of what they're saying is, you know, it needs improvement or, you know, tries hard, you know, uh, that sort of thing. I certainly had a lot of them growing up. but um, I, I like it. I like it. I think, I think it gives the fans an idea of what happened because we can't go and see it. But then I look at each player, and I think someone like Peter Wright. Now he's he's a fairly experienced AFL player, and they popped him right at the bottom of the report. And then they, the very last thing is they say that he had eight score involvements on the day. Now he's playing as a ruck forward. Well, they said forward ruck, but it sounds like he was um, he was doing. Uh, it sounds like they had three ruck. So he wasn't doing a whole lot of ruck work, but he has been. And he's had eight score involvements on the day. Now, how many score involvements did Sam Day have or did Ben King have? Now, I know it's a different level, but we're talking about AFL-listed players here. It's not the kneeful. It's a, you know, the opponents are a step up 
and um, and he's managed to be quite dominant. So, yeah, I mean, a guy like Luke Towie, he's not going to get a bad report, is he? Because they're trying to encourage him and let us know we've got a good recruit. And someone like Fiorini or Wright, they're going to kind of get a an ambivalent report because they don't want to play it up too much. But when they're saying eight score involvements, that sounds to me like a, a centre-half forward who has absolutely dominated the game and allowed players like Rankin and Corbett to come in and, and kick bags of goals. Yeah, I see your point. They've obviously got more expectation on the senior bodies. I mean, Will Brody's uh, comment doesn't read great either, saying no. that uh, he needs to be more consistent to earn an AFL recall. So it doesn't sound like we'll see any of these midfielders break in anytime soon. Um, the other thing on here is Malcolm Roses Jr. We've had some fans asking about him. It looks like he played just the second half, and the only comment here is he would like to have been more effective with his disposal. So yeah. it sounds like it was just a bit of a run for him. Nothing too worried about. Like you said, I guess it depends on whereabouts the player is in their development. Well, that's that's that, that's exactly where Mally Roses is. He, um, I watched him in the national championships last year. Um, sometimes he runs so fast and is able to bounce the ball on the run and still be faster than anybody else in the field that he just forgets where he is and doesn't compose himself well enough when he's either handballing or or um, or kicking for goal or trying to pass it to someone else and. That's that's great. You'd rather have that that raw talent where he can just get the ball and just go racing up the sidelines or just do something that no one else is capable of doing, and eventually he'll get there. Um, probably an AFL comparison for him, although different body shape, but um, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, and Mally Roses, um, similar kinds of speed, bursts of speed, and um, if if uh, Mally Roses is still with us in in two or three years, he'll be a, a champion. Um, that's the real development that he's got to make. He's not AFL ready just yet. And finally, the player everyone is asking about, Isaac Rankin. He kicked three goals too, looked lively, had some really good defensive performances uh, on the weekend, and that follows up from. A really, really strong performance the week before in... I believe he only played half a game of footy the week before. So Rankin could definitely be in consideration for this week. Do you you're think really, Rankin plays against Geelong, Tom? You're really strong on this, aren't you? Well, yes. Yeah, I'll go out on the limb and say yes. I've got no hard proof, no hard evidence, but from no. who I've been talking to and... The performances I've seen from Rankin, I feel like the only thing holding him back from debuting is trying to find someone in that best 22 that needs to come out. That's the only thing holding him back. And if the club are determined to play him, they will find someone who will be unlucky to be dropped and Rankin will make his debut this week against Geelong. It's looking like Darcy McPherson, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah. I know we're skipping from scratch match to ins and outs, but it, it's got to be said, Isaac Rankin can do everything that Darcy can do, but he doesn't have quite the body maturity. So if Rankin's ceiling is higher than Darcy's, now Darcy still has 
a long way to go in his career, and he's a he's a must-have player. And I'd have him in my top twenty-five any day of the week, and I'd prefer him in my top twenty-two. But if it's the difference between saying Das, you you screwed a few things up, you broke some team rules, you've had four games in a row this year to prove yourself. Each game you've had things to improve, and you, you you've just got to work out a bit of time to reflect, sit in the sidelines, watch a game. From the grandstand for a change, and we're going to debut this guy. And if after a couple of games you've proven that you, need, you get your spot back, and, and either he makes way or someone else makes way, that's what's going to be. And that's what it was for Lemons and um, and Fiorini a couple of weeks ago. And the side keeps winning. Now, what do you think that Rankin can't do that Darcy does? Well, I don't think there's much because I think Rankin can still bring the same level of uh, tackles and aggression. I think the only difference would be body, size of the body, the strength. Mm. I mean, last year Darcy was needed to go through the midfield, but that's not necessary this year. Although Isaac can go through the midfield. he just He's not an inside mid. He's just going to be standing off the, 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 the stoppage and, and pinch the ball. Um, or he's going to get on the end of something. I mean, imagine Raul and Rankin at a stoppage inside 50. Eventually, after four quarters, you can't stop them. They're going to hook up, and it's going to be magical. I mean, for those who haven't watched much Isaac Rankin or you've only seen highlights or whatever, he can do anything. He can take big marks over big defenders. He can kick it from bloody anywhere inside 50 and outside 50 on either foot. It's just he can kick it from those impossible situations in a scrimmage where you see players trying to kick it forward and they don't get anywhere. That's a goal for Rankin. He's a, he's a freak. He's a freak. I'd love to see him in, but I'm like you, 90% in, but there's that 10% that they could err on the side of caution and um, and coaches are more likely to see it as a fitty-fitty. Yeah. Well, it's a tantalising prospect and we're just going to have to wait until Thursday to find out whether Rankin makes his debut. Now, Tom, uh, a couple of things just before we finish up. First off, I want to give a shout-out to friend off the Suns cast, Mitch Cleary. So, <laughs> AFL writer for afl.com.au, media reporter, um, does quite a lot of things these days. But now he is also a Gold Coast Suns member. He has officially paid up for a Gold Coast Suns membership and we welcome Mitch Cleary aboard the Suns train. He is copying a, copying a lot of bullying from his AFL Exchange podcast mates um, and, and including um, Nat Edwards, uh, who of course has been in, the, in, in that group in the past and uh, is a new mum. Um, and I and, and a few other um, AFL journalist identities have been giving him a ribbing, saying you can't have two teams. Well, guess what? It's the Gold Coast Suns, and and as Mitch says, it might be the only way that he gets to see a live game this year as a fan because he's not allowed to go to watch his uh, Geelong play against us this week. So um, good on you, Mitch. Um, there's speculation that it might only be a one-match <laughs> membership, but he's got the scarf, he's got the lanyard, he's got he's, uh, he's, he's got his name on Twitter, and and uh, and as as we said, he's a friend of the podcast, 
And and Mitch, if you are listening by some chance, uh, you're always welcome to come and have a chat to us. I put on Twitter that um, Mitch came on in, in late April, so he's 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 hardly a Johnny Come Lately. He's been been on the Suns bandwagon for quite some time. He's just made it official, hasn't he? He has. I put the challenge out to another friend of the Suns cast, Cal Toomey. Again, working with Mitch Cleary, but uh, Cal doesn't seem to be willing to rise to the challenge. Uh, but I'll keep pressing him for that and see if he finally stands up and accepts it. So, yeah. well, well, if you're listening, Cal, you need to get on board the Mighty Suns. <laughs> we and we know he's a fan of a lot of the players who the Suns are drafted. So he's the he's the draft guru, Cal. And sooner or later, the weight of numbers is going to start showing for him because he's been fairly accurately predicting the the draft to within something above eighty percent or something. And that's not just who will be who will be chosen, but where and by whom, uh, including crazy stuff like draft night trading and whatnot. Um, but um, I do want to mention Twitter very, very briefly. Um, we've been getting a we, 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 your mate Campbell Brown got in touch with me last night because I um, I slagged off at him and he said that's not a very nice shame and I had to explain that it was me and uh, so 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 if Campbell Brown's listening, Shane still loves you, Campbell, but I think you're a piece of crap. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, we're getting a lot of American fans, Shane. The Suns are getting a lot of American fans. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Uh, the the fire, the wildfire of the Gold Coast Suns is spreading to all parts of the globe. Now, before we finish up, Tom, we've only got a few minutes left. I did label the episode as springing back the fun. So, to highlight that, I wanted to talk about an article which came out last week saying called The Real Story Behind the Suns Rise. It's more than a couple of big wins. Now, this was a great article on afl.com.au written by, I believe... Mark McClure, the Premier of Western Australia. No, Mark McGowan. Mark McGowan, Premier of Western Australia. <laughs> McClure no, was the bloke that played for Carlton. Mark, Mark with a C, Mark McGowan with a C. And uh, he, he's a, he, he, um, he and I aren't, aren't terribly good friends on, on Twitter, I must say. Um, but, I'm uh, sorry, Tom, are you friends writer. with anyone on Twitter? <laughs> oh yeah, I am. We're up to 158 members. How many? How many people like us? All right, we're up to 139 followers, including Mitch Cleary, Mark McGowan. There's quite a lot of journalists who followed me, actually, Shane. But anyway, well, it Mark goes McGowan on. Has written this great long read, hasn't he? Yeah, it goes on to discuss the the contentious decisions that was uh, created by the Gold Coast Suns uh, a few years ago when they removed some senior players, Jared Lyons, uh, Tom Lynch, Stephen May, and several others. It goes on to explain why they needed to change the culture and how they were going to change the culture. All things we've talked about in the past on the GC Sunscast. Turns out we were right. Um, Mm. (laughs) It it also goes on to talk about how this year the Suns have gone on to change their attitude to be competitive, to want to win everything they do. And it's really gone through, but it all started with the coaching staff coming into the club and determining, you know what, we need to bring the the fun back to footy for these boys. And that hasn't just flowed through with the football players. It's flowed through to the staff, to on the admin side and up in the, the corporate side. 
And you know what? It's flowed through to the fans. I've never enjoyed football more than I have in the last three weeks. Well, think about back to the summer when the, the AFL women were, you know, doing doing what they were doing, and we didn't have very high hopes for. I mean, we had aspirations, but we, we didn't think that they were going to be as successful as they were. And so there's just been this really great vibe from, yeah, okay, we, we finished the season with 18 losses in a row, and then we went into the draft and we were up again and we were saying, this is our favourite time of year. And then the AFL Women's came along and, you know, it, it's just been a whole club experience. But I, getting back to that point, I think that the, the, the quality people that they brought in when they recruited, that's been a real cornerstone of the change, hasn't it? Absolutely, it has. Um, John Haynes coming in, Mark Evans leading the charge before ever, anyone else came in. And uh, obviously what Stuart Jew has done since he came into the club. And then people that were here before all those people came in, your Tuke Millers, your Jared Witts, they've come in, David Swallow as well, they've come in, they've said, look, we want to commit to the club. How can we go about this? How can we make this right? And um, just super proud to, to be a member of this football club and uh, support people like that that... Uh, just dig in and want to want to do the right thing. So yeah, and and uh, I've got one shout out before we have to go. Uh, Mr. Bods, long time listener, had a, a baby daughter during the week. So congratulations to you and your beautiful wife, mate. All right. Well, with that, we've got thirty seconds. So let's round this out. Thanks for joining me, Tom. Thank you, Shane. All right, and go Suns. Never say die. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot.